0: Welcome to the Soul Deep podcast, where we dive deep into the edges of life where the body meets the soul. Sharing personal stories of struggle and breakthrough, the guests on this show let us know what is up when it comes to healing, happiness and new heights of pleasure. Hello, hello Soul Deep fam. Welcome back to the pod and welcome 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 if you are new i'm your host sarah jane about to take you on a journey in this episode with only casey (laughs) frickenbergland casey is a woman truly leading the way when it comes to embodied love and conscious decision making Her TEDx talk, Let the Body Lead, is one that I would highly, highly recommend. It's linked below and it is definitely one to bookmark as I myself have come back to it time and time again. She is the creator of the Let the Body Lead method and certification and the founder of Worthy and Well Inc. I worked one-on-one with Casey and She is not only a big fat inspiration, but also a really good friend. I couldn't recommend working with her enough or simply just connecting with Worthy and Well. Casey's email newsletters are definitely one of my favorites. And if you want to be a part of an expansive community full of conscious entrepreneurs dedicated to healing and growth, Definitely stay up to date for a big, new, worthy and well launch. In this episode, Casey and I discuss telling the difference between your intuition and your fear or anxiety. With some very fresh and personal examples, disclaimer, I may cry, Casey gives us a script to use in those moments of total despair when our nervous system is just running out of fear to really bring in compassion, love and acceptance and thus healing. Casey also shares some of her own struggles when it comes to this rich inner work and what it means to take imperfect action. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, as always, let me know. Hello, Casey, and welcome to the Soul Deep Podcast. Hi, Sarah Jane.
1: So good to be here.
0: I, for one, am so excited to have you on. I've been looking forward to this for some time. And the first question I would love to ask you is is what brings your soul to life?
1: Mm. What is really present for me right now, as I have been doing a lot of work with my inner child, is creativity and specifically returning to things that I used to do as a kid. Um, So for example, what brings my soul alive these days is uh, getting back to playing the piano after not for 15 years. Um, The gateway into piano was actually putting my figure skates on again and getting on the ice and realizing that that was just like so nourishing. Now that the ice is gone, it's warmer out now. Um, And honestly, those tiny little rituals and routines in my day to day. So I've Really, 2021 really has been the year of consistent meditation for me, which I've been into yoga and meditation for over a decade now. And it's always been quite difficult to consistently sit down and get on my mat. And lately, this year especially, it's felt like something that's been a joy. It's been something I look forward to. So, I would say a combination of those things that make my inner child happy that often have something to do with creative expression and especially like creative expression by way of the body. And then the the spiritual practices uh, and presence practices that help me to stay really grounded.
0: Mm, Beautiful, beautiful. I really feel you in that one as well. Like I often find that things like meditation and yoga just feed into creativity and it's like this beautiful symbiotic relationship and the two just go together so well I often Mm -hmm. like when I'm in the middle of my yoga flow I get the best creative ideas and I'm like oh god I gotta write this down no way I gotta go downward facing dog
1: (laughs) yeah Um,
0: and it's just yeah, doing with that
1: yeah it's funny one thing Um, I that came to mind right after I stopped that I was like oh and also like changing up my wardrobe and wearing lipstick and expressing by way of like clothing has brought a a little bit more of a zest to me, you know, like changing my hair, getting my ears pierced, but also that's such an inner child thing. Like I got my ears pierced. Um, Again, I got two more holes in each ear and it's like, wow, I haven't done that since I was what, eight, (laughs) you know, so (laughs) multifaceted, I would say. Mm,
0: Absolutely love that. So you are the creator of the Let the Body Lead TEDx Talk and Certification and the Associated Movement and you are the founder of Worthy and Well Inc and you work with conscious entrepreneurs and you've worked with me and I found you through Worthy and Well. Um, I just wanted to kind of begin by saying thank you so much. Um, You inspire me both Directly and indirectly, just by existing, to feel more empowered in my vulnerability and my creative expression, and just embodying that sense of love and soul body connection. So, I wanted to ask you for our listeners what does it mean to let the body lead? Mm-hmm
1: well first off thank you for sharing those kind words and it's it's a pleasure to know you too and to be in your world and to have the opportunity to connect and grow together Um, and to answer your question what it means to let your body lead is to first respect the body at its most basic level and maybe even before that pay attention to the body so Letting your body lead, I would say, is a point further along the journey. We have to, before we can let our bodies lead, we have to even notice that our body is there. And that might sound silly because, of course, we know our body is there, but often we don't pay attention to the body. And I should speak from the I, I didn't pay attention to my body and I downright harmed my body, which is part of what led me to this path through like disordered eating, dieting, over-exercising, working to change my body. And when I think about being in that stage of life, I wasn't even, I was paying attention to the image of my body, but I wasn't paying attention to my body with a respect from the inside out. And so before we can let our bodies lead, it's like, we need to start by paying attention to our bodies and just starting to notice basic cues. Like in my case, it was hunger and fullness. And then actually letting my body lead in those instances would mean feeding myself when I'm hungry. And so when I use that example, I think about all of the humans I know and have worked with over the years, especially when I was working more as a dietitian, who wouldn't even let their bodies lead in terms of nourishing themselves so that their bodies could have energy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it really just means to pay attention to the sensations of the body, acknowledge that there is wisdom in every single sensation, Uh, do a bit of excavating for that wisdom or even being open to that wisdom being revealed and then actually acting upon it so letting your body lead is sort of that place at the uh, uh, closer to the end of that journey that is acting on the wisdom that you receive from the body
0: Mm. Mm. so beautifully part you know when I think about letting the body lead and like this journey of, you know, garnering a connection with our bodies, that is true. I, I often think about like the image of a body as if it is a body made of water and mm. water, just like a muddy pond, you know, we collect like er quote dirt. Um, we muddy our waters with, you know, things like trauma or inherited set of beliefs or like, toxic wellness culture, or whatever it is, you know, we get muddied water. And then it's difficult for us to actually, like see through that. And like, over time, it's learning to like still the water so that the the mud can settle, and we can actually see what it is that our body wants and needs. And Mm -hmm. the thing that I love about your work and what you do, is how, how passionate you are about how different bodies are like mm. different bodies have different needs and this you know for me in my journey this took a really long time to get my head around I was like if I don't eat like her on Instagram I'm not gonna look this way or feel this way and actually like our bodies have their own history and it's like respecting that and, and getting back in touch.
1: Yeah absolutely I think that is uh, a really important part of the journey toward deeper embodiment or deeper body respect is realizing that my body is different from yours. My needs are different from yours. The way in which I receive wisdom is different. My mind-body system uh, offers wisdom in maybe a different way. And when we can reclaim that power and reclaim that specific type of attunement to our own bodies and regain sovereignty in how we connect with our bodies it can be i mean truly so empowering and and it's not an easy thing you know necessarily and you know i've been thinking a lot about privilege lately and certainly it takes a, a level of consciousness to even be able to enter into this work um, mm-hmm. and 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 I just been thinking a lot about like, is that the way that it should be? I don't know. Like I want to believe that every human on this planet has the right to have a loving connection with their bodies and that every human on the planet um, deserves to have this literacy around their bodies. And that's just not the way it is right now. So you and I even having this conversation comes with you and i having a certain level of privilege to engage in body consciousness in the way that we're able to
0: absolutely absolutely i mean like imagine this was taught in schools you know like imagine imagine what kind of world that would be you know it's Mm. it's just one of the things like we find ourselves in this part of this evolution and you know it takes doing the work and in this sense, you know, lighting the torch and passing it along in any way that we can do.
1: Yeah, um, can we get this stuff taught in schools? To oh, sorry, there's a bit of a delay there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nah, you're good, you're good. Let's start a petition. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Incredible. I would love to know, um, how can we tell the difference between our intuition talking and our anxiety or our ego talking when it comes to getting through to
1: the body's wisdom? It's a really challenging question. And a couple of years ago, I think I would have had a clearer, more direct answer, to be honest. And I've been on a growth path, which has meant that especially in the last year with everything happening in the world and then the microcosm of my own personal life, this is something that has been a big question that's come up. It's like on a whole other level, I've been, I feel challenged to know what the difference is between intuition and fear, anxiety, resistance etc. So I'm hoping that maybe we can just engage in some conversation. I'm not going to just give you a straight up answer, because I think it's a bit complicated. And that the way that each person to to the point that we made earlier, the way that each person receives intuition is different. Um, Mm -hmm. So when when I hear questions like this, I actually think about the piece at the very start of my TED talk, which was setting the scene for asking my teacher in India, how do you know when the contraction that you feel is here for you to be with and learn from? Or if it's indicating that you need to make a change and you need to go in a different direction. And I'm paralleling these two things because I think it's something similar. How do you know if this say contraction you feel in your body is uh, just fear or resistance, which we might call like something from the ego, or if it's intuition. And what I believe to be true is that sometimes fear is a form of intuition. Like on its most basic level, if I feel a contraction, spidey sense in my body that I got to get the fuck out of there, excuse my language, because I'm not safe, like thank you fear for being the greatest gift of intuition. And so already when I say that, Do you kind of hear why it's a bit of a complicated question? Oh, yeah. So I'm curious, maybe if we can navigate this question with a bit of an example, like, do you have a real life example where it's like, is this, is this telling me, is this my soul telling me to go in this direction? Or is this just resistance? You know, sometimes I think we feel like it's um, sometimes resistance. It's like you need to lean into that. And other times the resistance is kind of like, change course, go the other way, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe share a little bit more about this question, because I, I think maybe together we can come to a really, maybe beautiful, I don't know about conclusion, but discussion.
0: Okay. Yeah, I love that, and yeah, it was an absolutely loaded question, um, and it's like one of those things that, I, and I definitely I ask this question because it's a common one, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone wants to know, like I do embodiment stuff. Everyone wants to know what is your intuition, and you know, you get down the route of things like astrology, human design. Like there's different types of intuition and whatnot, and it can get really confusing, and sometimes it can be disheartening when you feel a disconnect from your intuition and like I totally vibe with what you said like sometimes like we don't know and sometimes the fear is the intuition and whatnot and I guess like in terms of an example you know something that comes up for me is you know sometimes when when I feel super super ill and I'm like I'm feeling my body is is not tolerating what would be, a, I don't know, for a, a generally healthy person, a, a good amount of stress, like a healthy amount of stress, right? And um, mm. I've got a pretty low stress tolerance because of chronic illness. And sometimes I'm trying to filter through my symptoms to find out what, what is needed here. Like, what mm. does my body want? Like, I know, you know, I want to grow. I want to expand. I want to expand my career. I want to, you know, in a sense, I don't want to be limited by my body, by my illness. And then other times I'm like, okay, I need to give myself rest. I need to give myself like time, but then it gets really confusing, right? Because I feel like I do that as a lifestyle. And then it's kind of like, okay, what is this here? So I, okay, a more tangible example is this. So um, a friend of mine recently, Got offered a job, and mm-hmm. they they need a, they need they want they desire a new job um, to further their career, and they have applied to many. They got offered one job which isn't their top choice, mm-hmm. but they also took it because um, it is better than where they are right now. So this is a stepping stone, and um, th- with the other job choices that interview is still in process in their life. So they're feeling this immense amount of guilt at the moment because they've accepted an offer for another job and they're still waiting back from their top choice. So now they're thinking like, is this the intuition telling me not to take this job because I still need to hear back from the other ones? Or is this my body, like, is this just my body under stress? Or like, what is happening here? They feel somewhat divided. They don't want to upset their brand new uh, job by saying sayonara two weeks in, see later, just got it, got my top choice. And then they also, you know, they don't want to um, like limit their own chances
1: by not taking that job. Does that mm. does that example yeah. make sense? It does make sense. And I'm curious if you know the answer to this, uh, but what is presenting in this person's uh, body or mind body as they're in this Tension, it sounds like Uh, it sounds like a moral tension Mm -hmm. to a certain extent, like Mm -hmm. self-interest. I don't want to say versus because they're not necessarily polar opposites, but self-interest, for lack of a better word, versus. uh, Interest in the companies that they're exploring, you know, like wanting to be in integrity. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'm curious how it's showing up as tension in their life. Mm
0: So there's anxiety, inflammation in the body, activated nervous system, stress, fatigue and like tension and muscles and, um, you know, surrendering into these feelings there, there's like a lack of clarity. And in a sense, like what I, what I picture is, is feeling like you're, like you're on the ride of life rather than like you're directing the life, if that makes sense.
1: Mm hmm yeah yeah so this is where it gets tricky to like podcast and answer questions about like how do we do this is it this or this because it's it's not binary Mm -hmm. and is nuanced Mm -hmm. so what I'm hearing you say is this person is experiencing a whole host of symptoms or sensations in their body as a result of saying yes to one job and still being in the process of interviewing for another job and it sounds like not being honest or talking true to either either Mm -hmm. how true does that feel just given your knowledge of this friend like they're in this space where they're not telling uh you know the job that they said yes to they're not saying to them like oh I'm still interviewing for a job that I actually want more and they're not telling the the person who's interviewing them for the top one choice that they already accepted a job so there's this tension showing up in the body maybe it has something to do with like a lack of truth
0: mm-hmm. it's like I feel I feel like it's a lack of truth or it's like I don't know trying in a sense to put yourself first when it comes to these like tricky situations because you mm-hmm. open yourself up to like you finally open yourself up to opportunities and here we go things are happening cogs are turning and yeah. you're grateful at any rate but you're also wanting to like do the best thing for yourself oh for to sure be fair, I have a, do you know what? I think because this is quite like elusive, I've got a better example because this really relates to me. And I think this is this when we explore this example, it's actually probably going to make more sense um, to how we can relate it to the job mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. So like from the job situation, what the fear is, there is a fear of being a burden. And I was going to I was going to get into this um, example later on in the episode, but fuck it, let's get into it. So I want to talk to you about something really, really painful that I've been going through, and um, literally yesterday. Um, so, and, and it, and it boils down to the fear of being a burden. Um, and where I'm at in the minute is like this quite a painful expansion that I call like the magic dark, where you're, where you're really, really stuck in a bit of a, a bit of a situation where you can see the light, but you don't know how to act. So. Basically, as you know, I've got chronic illness and yesterday morning was the first moment I had to myself um, on the back of like a hectic seven days, very stressful week, um, dealing with a lot of personal triggers that you know you don't have any control over, you get triggered in life. Um, and at the guts of all of this, again, was that fear of being a burden on the people around me. So I woke up feeling like I was in a freaking car <laughs> accident, which is unfortunately quite common for me at this point of my health journey. And shortly after eating breakfast, I, uh, I had to crawl outside and lie on the grass. I was in crippling pain. Um, I was crying, I was struggling to breathe. There was like a fire in my belly. Now it, on the back of a stressful week, I'm also on this like a new detox course for uh, micro toxins. So that's taking a toll on the body and whatnot. And I genuinely believed in this moment that like I, I am in battle with my body. I am imprisoned by my body. It increasingly impacts my life, my ability to work, whatnot. And I just felt like the the world would be better off if I didn't exist in it because I'm so, you know, in so much pain. Now I am by no means suicidal. And I and I wanna say that I don't think that this thought is special to me or my circumstance. I think a lot of people have this thought and think like this in certain moments and it doesn't mean that they are suicidal, but it's just that kind of thought. So. My belly was burning. Uh, My partner found me and the things I said to him were like, I'm sorry, I'm sick. And I'm sorry for being a burden on you. And I don't want our relationship to be you, me and my illness, and I can't do this anymore. And I continued to sob out my feelings of being trapped. And he, a wonderful human that he is, conscious um, men's coach, just incredible person. He held me and he loved me unconditionally. And he listed times. That i was a burden and he still loved me and he listed times that he was a burden and i still loved him and you know i began to breathe better and slowly slowly i could not believe it that my symptoms were going down with the acceptance of the fact that actually yeah do you know what like sometimes i am a burden and my illness is a mm-hmm. burden and you know i realized mm-hmm. the chronic fear of being a burden will kill you before just being a burden will and people you know, people have committed suicide with the thought that they'll be better off, people will be better off. And this Mm -hmm. is just wrapped in the immense guilt that they have placed upon the impact of their existence. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the thought of not wanting to burden others is essentially existential shame. And it's being a burden is just a part of being a human. And, you know, we are people, creatures. We are community creatures. Like we regulate our nervous systems just by sharing space, like all of this is just part of being human. And thankfully it's a day later, my my symptoms have gone down and I'm just dealing with the residue of this, like, oh my gosh, my pain and my suffering, like Mm -hmm. all just these layers of onions wrapped around this fear of being a burden. And, you know, I guess like what I would love to know is what what do you have to say about in those moments, Mm -hmm. I'm on the grass, I'm in so much pain. And I'm thinking like, I cannot get to grips with what my body wants or needs. And you know, what if my partner wasn't there? What if we didn't have that conversation kind of thing? And and I know I would have come out of it. You know, I've been on this rocky path many times, but it's like in those moments, how on earth do we connect with our body in a way that is like healing and helpful and calming. And like, I guess with the job situation, it's the same thing. The fear of being a burden, not putting yourself first.
1: Mm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. It's such a powerful one, and um, I have a few different thoughts and 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 also kind of like connecting it back with that job situation. Um, well, first off, one thing that is beautiful in the moment that you had yesterday is you had a partner that could help you co-regulate which as humans, I think we think that we should be independent. uh, But, and also we literally need people for support with co-regulation when we can't. So you might not have gotten to where you got without your partner there. And that's only normal. And that's okay. Because we need other humans. Um, And Also, as it relates to your friend in the job, uh, I'm kind of recognizing that what I responded to around like speaking true and maybe tension in that, there's like no judgment there, right? It's not a bad thing to like choose yourself and to be in that, of course, that's not a bad thing at all. Um, And our bodies just have like so much uh, wisdom that they're sharing that is sometimes hard to navigate and excavate too. So in your case, your question was like, What would I do if my partner wasn't there? And I think it's really important to have a practice when we're not in those moments of compassion. Mm -hmm. And I say when we're not in those moments, because sometimes it's like too hard to access if you don't have a practice of it in the moment that you're in it. When we most need compassion is when we're total dicks to ourselves. Like what I hear from you is you were in crippling pain. You were feeling that pain in your body. You were feeling uh, hurt. You were feeling all of this discomfort. And then the judgment of feeling that discomfort and the feeling of being a burden. And then the fear, it's like layering pain upon pain, upon pain. Right. And that is only normal. It's only human. Um, Especially when, We're also considerate of people that we love. And it's often not the most supportive for healing. And so even accessing the tiniest little ounce of self-compassion can help to soften the experience. And you asked about like, how do we connect with our bodies and like still let our bodies lead in these moments? We don't until we have compassion you know it's kind of a precursor and for everyone listening um, i'm thinking of the wisdom of kristen naff compassion is acknowledging the pain and acknowledging that you're not alone in it it's part of common humanity um it's about choosing to be kind like if it was you seeing a best friend in that kind of pain what kind of way would you approach them? And how can you offer that same sort of kindness to yourself? And I think it's in these moments where it's like, what is like the tiniest next step to regulate? Because when you're in crippling pain, you're not regulated. You can't receive the wisdom. You can't receive the true, pure, still water to your analogy, wisdom from that sensation. Um, there has to be a little bit of a, a softening or a compassion first, which luckily for you, it sounds like your partner offered that. And what I hear when you say that your, your partner was like, you know what? You are a burden here. And I still loved you. Here's what's true. This is hard. And I still love you. Your partner offered you love and compassion, right? You got that from them. What a gift. What a gift that you have a partner that knows how to offer that. And it sounds like by them offering you that you softened and you were able to just like deal a little bit more. So without the partner, it's harder, but it's like, how can you offer that to yourself? something that I heard from you that's so powerful is like, it's not, he didn't say to you, Oh, honey, you're not a burden. Oh, don't worry. He said, you are a burden. And I love you. (laughs) One of my most healing experiences when was like tears in the bathtub, feeling like a total fuck up because I spent a bunch of people's money for a retreat before the retreat happened. And I owed $30,000 in refunds. And I was like, Oh my God. This is my worst nightmare. I'm terrible with money. I'm a terrible business owner. I felt like such a fuck up. And I was in the tub with tears rolling down my face. And the thing that was the thing that was needed for healing was like, case. Yeah, you are a fuck up. You kind of fucked up there. Like, (laughs) and I love you. And I said that to myself. Like, can you be a fuck up and still be loved? Can you be a burden and still be loved? Or maybe even when it's yourself, maybe you don't have to love yourself in that moment, but can you offer just like a tiny bit of grace, a tiny bit of acknowledgement and validation? And for for the listeners who are like, yeah, but how, how do we do that? Here's a script (laughs) for how to acknowledge and validate. And you can use this for yourself. You can use it for your friend that's in pain. The script just kind of goes something like this. Of course, you feel blank. So Sarah Jane, of course, you feel shame around feeling like a burden when you're in crippling pain. Okay, of course, you feel blank, given that, given that you are such a kind, wholehearted human who cares for others. So of course, you're caring about others, even when you're feeling like you got hit by a truck. The next part is anyone in your shoes would feel, anyone in your shoes would feel shameful for feeling like a burden, given that our culture, especially the culture of conscious spiritual people, kind of under the surface shares this message that we should care about other people before we care about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so it makes perfect sense that you would feel like a burden even when you're in crippling pain, considering the messaging that everyone receives from society and probably considering the way little you, little Sarah-Jane had to take care of other people's needs before she was even an adult. I don't know if that's true, but I would imagine for those folks that tend to self-sacrifice to serve others, often we had to grow up fast. There's a reason for it. And so just as your partner, acknowledged and validated your feelings, acknowledged that sometimes you are a burden and he still loves you. It's like, there are pieces of that. How can we offer even the tiniest little nugget of that in those moments to ourselves? And recognize that even if we can't, that's okay too. We do need Mm -hmm. each other, you know? Mm -hmm. What comes up for you in that well while I'm, I'm just noticing some tenderness which which also makes perfect sense
0: yes while I sob here in the corner I'm feeling like so much truth and you know before we came on this podcast we talked about like the divine timing of podcasts and things like this and and I definitely feel it to be true and like yesterday I was thinking oh my gosh I'm gonna have to cancel on Casey like I can't Mm. like breathe like all of these things and then as my symptoms went away I was like wow this is this is divine timing and Mm. you know like so much came up for me when you were speaking and you know because this is so raw and fresh for me this is why I'm so emotional too and and It's interesting, like, it's just so interesting how, you know, what you preach is what you're here to learn. Like, I Mm. preach, put yourself first. I preach, like, and I don't mean it in a, like, sassy, put yourself first kind of way. I just mean it in a genuine, like, you are the most important person in your life, like, because it's your life. And, like, you can love someone, you can have kids, you can do all these things, but, like, you really do need to care for yourself. And I, mm-hmm. and I preach the, you know, compassion and all these things and like, yet here is my life, my dharma, my path, whatever you want to call it, like very much in these situations where I have to learn it. like, and I have to learn it the hard way sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as I know, logically, like yeah it's okay to receive help and like yeah you don't have to do it all on your own and like yeah you can be lovable and sick and and you know whatever it is that you are you can be broke and lovable you can and still worthy and and all of these things but in those moments to practice what you preach it's like you're so clouded you're so clouded and this is where like community really really does come in and you know I think that having a script, like you said, is wonderful, because I'm an EFT practitioner, and I do lots of different things, but even in those moments, like, I don't even have the strength to sit up and do EFT, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I've been surrendering into the pain, but sometimes you go in it, and, and like, it's unbearable, so the ego starts talking, and like, if mm-hmm. I've learned anything from this experience, it's, don't listen to what your mind says when you're in those moments because Mm -hmm. your mind will tell you so much bullshit like the things Mm -hmm. that I was thinking of you know it's just not true and I think you are right like it can be hard to love yourself in those moments but that is what is asked for love is medicine and just you know really calling that in and I guess it gets easier it gets easier with time is what I would say Mm, I know this is a juicy episode my friends and if you're vibing go ahead take a screenshot upload it to your story and tag soul deep podcast so I can see and if possible, leave a review on whatever platform you're streaming from. This really helps the podcast grow, reach more people, and connect like-minded souls. And if you want to go even deeper, become a Soul Deep patron for as little as one pound eleven pence per month, where you'll get access to exclusive Soul Deeper sessions with the guests on this show. Where we spill G U C T and give you free love, guidance, and advice. Search Soul Deep podcast on Patreon and join the community.
1: Yeah, and and I think this is where spirituality, this is where the rubber meets the road with spirituality. It's often in those moments where like we're down on our knees that it's that we can't do it ourselves. And so it's like, all right, God, universe, source, like for me, sometimes in those moments, I'm like, I don't even know if you're fucking real and (laughs) I can't do this on my own. Like, give me something, you know, and, and call it talking to yourself. But like, that is spirituality. It's, it's trusting that there is an unconditional love consciousness that is always present, regardless of what state you're in. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm actually curious if we can circle back to the original question about fear and intuition, because Mm -hmm. I feel like you just shared some stuff. Um, You talked about how in those moments, you can't trust what you think. And I think Mm -hmm. a cue to know what's fear and what's intuition is one, like how regulated are you right now? Because when you're dysregulated, when you're in chronic, when I say dysregulated, I mean, hyper-emotional, in chronic pain, in a moment where it, you're unable to access, like, kind of a cool, calm collectedness, mm-hmm. um, I think that's when we're vulnerable to having these fear-based thoughts that aren't truth, and so having a little check in with self, like, how regulated am I, um, can be a cue, and often just, like, waiting it out a little bit can be really supportive. Um the other thing you said was you wanted to cancel on me and you decided not to and it feels like divine timing. So when I hear that I kind of hear like fear voices are being like cancel this thing this is not what you need right now. And then something shifted. And so I'm curious to ask you like what happened if you were to slow down that process? What happened there that brought us here? Mm-hmm.
0: I'm so glad that you asked that because I never considered even you know that journey, though it's only the course of six hours, but it's pretty, it's pretty good. Um so initially, obviously yesterday morning on my deathbed, I was like, this is it. <laughs> Cancel all my plans for the week. <laughs> um and Again, like I'm still very much in shock that just accepting that I can be a burden and being okay with that dramatically decreased all of my symptoms. Like this is crazy, even for for a spiritual person, you know, I've never, is this my Moses moment? You know, I don't know, but like it was pretty deep um, to have that realization and and my health slowly come back. so as that was happening you know I was doing a surrender and I was surrendering into what it would mean to cancel with you I was like oh I'm gonna be a burden she's a busy woman like she's gonna be pissed off like that she booked this in and now she doesn't know what to do for like two hours and I was like okay can I be can I accept that reality and I was like okay eventually I accepted it she's gonna understand she's a Beautiful soul. She's a conscious entrepreneur. She knows what the deal is, you know, and like who's going to be mad at someone for being sick, right? Like, so I was like, okay, accept that potential reality and then just wait it out a little bit. And then something that I do the night before podcasting or on the day of, I go back to my intention with the podcast. And my intention with Soul Deep is to have real, authentic conversations that aren't scripted and that are vulnerable and to see what happens and just kind of uh let I don't know let spirit flow and and also a big part of this is to give in- inspiring people and people doing incredible work when it comes to mind body stuff uh a platform and I was thinking why <laughs> why would I not get go on this podcast with KC mm-hmm. then so I think in terms of like bullet pointing this kind of journey it was first accepting if I do cancel on you that you know you you could be pissed off and also accepting that you could be totally understanding and then two like going back to what is the intention of the podcast anywhere and then three like okay how does it feel now Mm -hmm. um and then obviously here we are and and in terms of health let's just do a check-in like I still am recovering from yesterday um, but as this podcast has gone on like my body feels more relaxed and like Mm -hmm. having that emotional release just five minutes ago I feel lighter and I feel Mm -hmm. like present and grateful so that Mm -hmm. was that journey.
1: Beautiful love that thank you for sharing and and when you when you decided like Mm, there's alignment here. Here's what this podcast is about. I'm going to keep, I'm going to do this, your choice to do it, your choice to not cancel. If that choice had sort of like an energetic tone to it, like, or mm, sort of like, I I think about sometimes decisions come in this really like heightened space, like, "Ah, I got to do this, you know? And sometimes it's like a more cool, calm, collected. I'm curious, what is like the, what was the energetic tone of that decision to do the podcast anyway?
0: It's weird. I think it was like just a trust, like it was a trusting like tone. Like even when I was considering canceling this podcast and not just this one, but everything that I have planned for the week, it was, there was like this kind of inner knowing at a deep level that this is your disregulated nervous system talking this is your mm-hmm. fear in this moment and then like you know this all happened yesterday morning and even my partner said things like i've seen you recover in like 6 hours before like tomorrow's a whole new day like you don't even know where you're going to be and that was yeah. very very true and like i was really considering that like not to make rash decisions based off a moment feeling so you know out of whack so there mm. was like this quiet quiet trust i would say the right true.
1: so the difference between a choice from fear versus a choice from intuition is fear often speaks from a dysregulated nervous system and intuition seems to flow from a more regulated space a space of being in trust being in surrender um being in just it's maybe a slow calm like okay do this now rather than a like you gotta do this um <laughs> And of course, we're multidimensional beings. So sometimes those voices are coexisting in the same space. But uh, I feel like we're getting more and more nuanced to that original question. Does that feel true for you? Absolutely.
0: And I think it does, it also like sheds light upon all of this kind of experience, the way it shows up in people's lives in different ways. Like if it's not chronic illness, if it is the job situation, yeah, it's kind of, you know, considering like, OK, what it, what is at the at the root of this like experience of inflammation and anxiety and mm-hmm. is it the fear of being a burden who is it that's speaking here and like can you show yourself love like and I guess in that example it would be of course you applied for so many jobs like, yes. you want to change like of course like what a, I guess in another sense like what a beautiful problem to have like multiple choices like do you know what I mean yeah, well, it
1: could be that, but it depends on the person and their experience and why that tension is there. And the only way to know mm-hmm. is to bring awareness to the tension and to mm-hmm. get curious with compassion. What is this about? Because mm-hmm. it could be overwhelmed with having applied to many jobs. It could be, uh, oh, I'm not speaking truth to either of them. It could be, I don't know actually what choice I want to make. It could be, um, I'm experiencing a physical health issue that happens to coincide with this, you know, like it could be so many things and there's no way to know uh, without exploring kind of the root of those sensations in the body and having that kind of customized, personalized excavation for truth. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And, you know, like one thing that's helped me in this like whole journey is, is, knowing and feeling that I am held regardless. Like, and I think this is the beautiful thing about spirituality and like having a conscious connection with the earth and the universe and, you know, our ancestry, like knowing that, you know, you are held. And I loved when you said like, we're a multi-dimensional being. And like, yes, that's actually true. And like, we're having a human experience and like surrender into that. And, you know, Peter Crone says, you know, it couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't. And, and, mm-hmm. and I take comfort in that, you know, it couldn't have happened any other way because it literally didn't. So like, mm-hmm. let's, you know, like you say, take one step at a time and can you bring love and compassion? And, you know, like, as I share my story with you, like it it's funny in, in that kind of sense where I'm like, oh gosh, Sj, you're just gaslighting yourself constantly. Like you shouldn't be sick. Like, da, 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 da sometimes you are just literally your own worst enemy because you set such a high standard for yourself. Mm -hmm. And actually this, I've got a brilliant question for you because um, one of the most helpful things that you have ever given me as your client has been the push to take imperfect action. Mm
1: -hmm. And like
0: ditch this perfectionism and this ridiculous standard of self that you set for yourself Um, especially as someone who's just chronically ill, like accepting that. I think maybe I'm still partially in denial that I'm not the picture of health I was five years ago. Um, So I would love for you to maybe talk a little bit about what it means to take imperfect action.
1: Mm. Well, perfectionism, when we, if you want to get all like patriarchy on it, we can do that or... (laughs) I think sometimes okay. understanding that perfectionism is a result of like patriarchy, white supremacy, capitalism. It can, it, there's something in that that's sort of like, fuck the man. I'm going to do it anyway, you know? Mm. And, um, and that may or may not resonate with you or your listeners, but I, I feel like there is, there is some empowerment. I, I, I think about when I was working more with people in their relationship with food and, we started to engage in conversation about diet culture and the insidious messaging uh, that is infused into people's consciousness from diet culture, which is highly fat phobic and rich with weight stigma. And so it's like, no shit, you feel bad about your body and no, no kidding, you want to have, you think you need to have a perfect body in order to go after your dreams. And you're not going to go after your dreams until you have a perfect body, given that every single day, there is messaging from diet culture saying that your body is wrong. And without that awareness, we're just in the sea of it, right? And so sometimes I think it's the same thing when we talk about perfectionism in any sense, that sometimes looking at the Um, systems that contribute to that way of thinking, that awareness can help to bring context and say like, oh, mm, this is where this is coming from. I'm going to choose something different because I want something different. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one part of it. Um, And I also think a real beautiful way to take imperfect action and move through perfectionism is through having a deeper why. For example, this podcast, you told me that you connected with the why of the podcast and it made you not cancel all your episodes this week. And it made you show up in a vulnerable space rather than a, quote, perfect space,
0: even Mm -hmm. though, of
1: course, vulnerability is perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So when we have a deeper purpose or a deeper why, uh, the purpose can become more important than the ego's need to be like liked or not rejected. You know, it's like, why are we needing to be perfect? It's like, it's such a um, protection, right? And when we have had the opportunity, when I've had the opportunity to dig deeper into like, what is this really for? Like, Mm. is it for me to not, for my ego to not be rejected? Or is it to create more unconditional love in the world? through helping people access the wisdom of their bodies. Like, Mm -hmm. what's more important here? And I find that having that deeper why can help with doing it anyway. Um, Having tools to support when you need to be courageous and take risks can help with doing it anyway. What do you think has been supportive for you in taking imperfect action?
0: yeah I definitely feel like having the intentions and just getting over yourself like yeah. if you know I think I don't know artists I work a lot with um and there is this like ingrained sense of like must be perfect must be finished whatever it is piece of poetry uh, painting and you know I think you can so often like find yourself uh, lost in that and actually what it is you're using it as a kind of defense mechanism because you don't want to like face the feeling that comes whenever you finish or you mm. launch or you publish right so mm-hmm. it's like okay right, we see what's happening here it's um, it's a form of getting in your own way and yeah. we can like disguise it with perfectionism we can disguise it with it's not our best work or we can do better and like holding ourselves accountable to this extortionately high standard when really it's actually just self-preservation um and I definitely feel like that's been so helpful for me is like Mm. you say just doing it anyway like it's okay where it is or like sometimes you know it Sometimes you just know what has to be done and you just get over the hump of it not being perfect. Like, And honestly, right, so for our listeners, I had a clarity of purpose session with uh, Casey and this was where the conversation came about of taking imperfect action. And since that session with you, I have taken so much imperfect Mm -hmm. action and I have had so much more free time. And it's like, oh, it's a win-win because no one even notices the little things that I would fixate on or the little things that quote unquote aren't up to scratch, right? And then so Mm -hmm. it's hilarious. I see people online doing, you know, really inspiring things in the same field as me. And, you know, their standard is, is like, to what I would account for myself like a lot lower a lot less and I'm like why are they succeeding so much and it's like it's not even about that like it's not Mm -hmm. about the show it's about the content and everything is energy and if you this is where I think the beauty comes across and this is where I want this like podcast to stay vulnerable and stay real because the energy is what carries through you know Mm -hmm. rather than the polished edges and like the the pictures that don't get me wrong all these things are important but like at the end of the day what is actually being shared here and it is always the the energy
1: Mm, yeah that's beautiful yeah I'm just like having so many memories of our clarity of purpose session and and uh, we specifically talked a lot about procrastination and perfectionism being like highly connected like where you're procrastinating it's sort of look for where you're trying to be perfect and yeah I'm, I'm like remembering all these layers to this conversation now and it's so true and so true that this this energy coming across is is you know what's most important in in this project anyway you know
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so where are you now Casey in your life dharma and your journey what's happening
1: Mm. Well, it's so timely. Again, divine timing is a thing. Uh, yesterday, uh, every single Sunday for the last year, I've met with two other humans and we're co-writing a book together uh, on embodied leadership. And yesterday I was writing on, we have six different pillars to the book. And one of them, the final pillar is about purpose and contribution and Dharma and all of that. And I was writing the story for the chapter, and literally as I'm writing it, and this is such a good example of how creativity is healing too, as I'm writing this story about the first time I really started asking like, what is my dharma, and what is my purpose, and, and all of the confusion that I was in in my life, and realizing like, as I'm writing this story, oh, right this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then my body said this and then i got clarity here and then i did this i'm writing the story and i'm thinking like i'm kind of in that same space now and i kind of like have the tools because i'm literally writing about them right now and how can i kind of use these tools in my life in this moment and so to answer your question more quickly i feel like my my connection to my deeper purpose has been highly challenged uh, since COVID nineteen. I think as it has for a lot of people, um, as a, a sensitive being, I've just felt pulled. My energy has felt pulled in a lot of different directions, and it's been hard for me to consistently connect with my center. And maybe this is why meditation has and and Daily embodiment practice has become so important, and yet it's still hard. So, this story that I was writing about for the book yesterday was a story about being 25 in a silent retreat center, obsessed with this question like, what is my Dharma? And what I thought I was going to receive as an answer in this inquiry was something like, you know, go back, quit your job, start your business, like, do this next. And what actually happened was in a moment of a really embodied meditation, I had my first sort of like download awakening that, you know, up until then, meditation had just been about sort of releasing anxiety and creating a little bit more still waters. But in this, there was this really deep embodied knowing and it had everything to do with love. And with words, It sounds cheesy to talk about, oh, my purpose is love. My purpose is unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And when you have a felt sense experience of something that is the most profound energy of the universe, (laughs) and it's like such true, such truth in in my body, um, it's undeniable. And so as I was writing this story, it like really reconnected me with this truth of my purpose that is unconditional love. And also the way in which I think that I think that purpose has different callings as you evolve and grow through life. And so the way that that love was expressed in that moment, what that led to was me quitting my job, uh, enrolling in this yoga for eating disorders training, building a business that helped people with eating disorders and in their relationship with food. Um, and obviously that has evolved, but now it's like the expression of unconditional love that I'm here for is, um, is around like helping to illuminate truth, helping people to like accept themselves on deeper levels with compassion and grace more than just through the gateway of their relationship with food and their bodies. And, and when I remember that, Everything becomes easier. And on a weekly or daily basis, I forget and I have to come back to it. I forget and I get caught up in the confusion of, like, oh, but what exactly does that look like? And maybe even the perfectionism of, like, how exactly should that be presented to the world? And like, all of that. So, where I'm at is I am very human. And forget and have to remind myself that what I'm here for is unconditional love. And I do that by way of the body, period. I've always done that in that way. Mm. And all of the other stuff are, you know, it's all like bells and whistles, right? Mm. This is connected with my purpose because I feel like through this episode, there's been a sharing of the energy of unconditional love. Mm. And this is one expression of my dharma. And so I think when when we're in the exploration of purpose, or at least when I'm facilitating clarity of purpose sessions for other people, which always feels so much easier—like helping other people get clear on their stuff—so much easier. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, it's like people think that they have this like one purpose and it can never change, but they're thinking of the they're thinking of their jobs or work, and it's like purpose is so much deeper than that it's like what's the thing underneath it all that drives what you do and that thing that you do can evolve and change over time that doesn't mean that your purpose is necessarily always evolving and changing um, but and also it can Mm -hmm. oh I
0: I love you and I love that so 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 much so inspiring to hear and like I think yeah I I relate a lot to this like productivity, uh, instant like culture, this instant like dopamine hit, like we wanna know exactly, like I asked you, how do you tell the difference between like your intuition talking or your anxiety talking? Cause I want an answer. And you, you think about this, like the way we are, like we've got like Amazon Prime next day delivery, like same day, whatever, like we want things now and we want clarity and we want this. And, you know, hearing you, you know, share your experience of like, how you how you come back to that that experience of remembering that your your dharma, your purpose, you're here, your the reason you're here is is love is so freaking inspiring because yeah, like I could that could be mine, and we would have it in two very, very different ways. And we would show up in two very, very different ways. And you know, Sahara Rose, she wrote the book Discover Your Dharma, and she very much talks about it as in your your dharma is breadcrumbs and everyone leads you to the next mm-hmm. stage, the next process. And like, it is not fixed. It makes me think of uh, a couple of years ago when I had quantum healing hypnosis and it was like a two to three hour session. And Sarah mm-hmm. as in me in this body writes out five questions beforehand that I want myself to answer like my spirit guides or when I connect to this kind of realm. And um, at the very end, of the, we had gone through all Akishik Records past lives. I'm on this freaking bed covered in crystals for three hours. It's like being videoed. It was an amazing, amazing therapy. And at the end, um, the therapist is asking me questions, but I'm not answering from Sarah Jane. It's a different consciousness. And um, the question she asks at the end is, what is Sarah Jane's dharma? And I don't say anything. And she says again, what is Sarah Jane's dharma? And I laugh. I'm like, ha <laughs> And she's like, okay, what is Sarah Jane's dharma? And I say, Sarah Jane needs to be patient. Just like so sassy like this. And watching that back was the most bizarre thing. And it really landed me in, okay, okay. We don't have to have all the answers and that's all mm-hmm. right. And you're always in your dharma, no matter where you
1: are. It's just about the journey. hmm yeah, big time. I love that. I love I love when you get into an altered state of consciousness and some like sassy little archetype comes through that's like, whoo, who is she? <laughs> that's great. And they speak truth, right? Like need to learn some patience here, sister. Damn straight. Uh, I would love to know, you know, what has
0: been the biggest struggle for you during this journey of soul, body, connection, dharma, self? I know, I mean you shared earlier mm-hmm. about like quite a quite a tough experience during mm-hmm. covid with the retreat and everything but i'd love to know yeah
1: i i think the hardest part is grieving identities constantly you know mm-hmm. i it, and it's it's interesting because it's like You talked earlier about like, I know these things, but in the moment, it's like, yeah, we can know things on a theoretical mind-based level and we have to experience them and move that through our bodies to truly let that knowing become wisdom. And it's like, okay, I know that I'm like my, my expansive limitless soul and I'm human, so I'm going to like grip on to this identity. First, it was like my identity as a dietitian, And then my identity as in the last year and a half, it's very much been my identity as an entrepreneur. And grieving my identity as an entrepreneur, even though I still am. There's been this huge like letting go of, is this the best expression of my dharma right now or, or not? And I would never questioned that before. Um, but the questioning really brought up all the feelings of letting go of this like identity I I'd built my life around. And mm. I think that that is hard because it, it's death, right? It's, it's like the thing that at the root of every fear is like this fear of death and COVID-19 hits. And if we are have our eyes open, how can you not look at your relationship with death, whether that's literal death of the body via a global pandemic or death of identities via, like, immense loss. Um, Mm. So I think that's hard. And, like, the most hilarious thing that I've learned through processing grief, and really looking at death, especially, like, in in all the different ways, um, is that at the bottom of this grief, at least when it when it comes to like dying identities, at the bottom of that like grief or that shame or that like, who am I now, is laughter. Kind of like how sassy little whoever that was came through and was like, she needs to learn some patience. You know, it's like, it's like kind of, I've learned that I take things so seriously and underneath all that seriousness, when I get knocked on my ass, it's kind of hilarious and that has felt so liberating because it's like, okay, if I'm already a fuck up and a fraud and a failure and a burden and like all these things, we've already gone there. And that's the thing that I feared most. I feared people finding out about me, then like, bring it. What else do you got? this happens again. I know I'm just going to laugh at the bottom of it. So why not be bold and live life and like, get out there and, you know, serve the world and spread unconditional love and own that my purpose is love and not feel cheesy or weird about it. It's like so liberating to actually mm-hmm. allow yourself to be plummeted into the shadows and the depths. Um, Cause it's like, all the stuff that we avoid is down there but like so are our greatest gifts and our most incredible brilliance it's like down there in the depths alongside shame Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I
0: absolutely adore that answer like yeah it is fucking hard it's so hard like these many deaths and rebirths oh my gosh and like yeah, it it is it is where the magic lies, and you find truth, and you know, you're living your life as though you're already cancelled, right? Like, imagine, you <laughs> find out, right? <laughs> you are in your most, like, authentic self, and like, what a beautiful place to be. And yeah, the universe is intrinsically funny. The universe has got uh, many different shades of humour, I find, and yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh, so stunning. So, when last question I ask everyone who comes in this podcast is if you could give your younger self some advice what would it be
1: hmm. okay this is so strange what just came through um <laughs> but it would be like remember that because you're going to have to teach old Casey that lesson later like it's so strange. I feel like what I would say to my younger self is like, "You're the wise one, little girl. Um, mm-hmm. Hold on to that wisdom because she's gonna need it for her healing."
0: Oh, Ooh, that just sh- gave me that just yeah, gave me chills. That-
1: <laughs> I was not expecting that to come out, but like literally, I've been in this process of like little case is the shit (laughs) like she knows exactly what I need now the inner child is like the all-knowing psyche and so Mm. I don't know I'm just like in reverence to her Mm. yeah I'm shook that
0: was that just that was a divine download yeah okay definitely feel and accept and receive that one and it resonates for me too so (laughs) thank you for sharing You're welcome. Casey, it's been a wild journey, this episode. I have loved it. Um, You're incredible. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm so grateful that we are incarnated on the planet at the same time. Um, Where can our listeners find you?
1: Oh man, it's so funny. At the start, when you started asking me these questions that when I said like 2 years ago I would have had a straight up answer for you, but it might be bullshit, you know? And I was like, "Oh god, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to give her what she needs. Like I'm not an expert, <laughs> you know?" But then I think we kind of I think we kind of wove through some things. We did go on a journey mm-hmm. together. Um <laughs> people can find me at worthyandwell.com. That's probably the best place to p- to find me. I I mean I am on Instagram at worthy and well, and may not be for long. So don't, don't count on it. Find me at worthy and well.com. Find me at email me Casey at worthy um, mm. Download the body acronym exercise from worthy and well.com. Uh, and you'll receive a kind of guided pathway to help you connect with your body And I just love, love, love having genuine connections with people too. I feel like in this world of um, not being super connected, any intimate moment that I get with any member of our community is just so special to me.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you once again for coming on.
1: You're welcome that
0: is the end of our episode friends thank yourself and your soul for continuing to show up and tune in to real talk and good vibe podcasts like this don't forget if you want exclusive access to the soul deeper sessions click the link in the show notes below to become a soul deep patron and stay up to date with the show on instagram Until next time, remember you are a star wrapped in skin and nestled within your flesh and bones is everything that you need to feel.